Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators, where I'll be analyzing a particular comic with some of my favorite creatives. I'm Dave, founder of Comic Book Herald, and today I'm welcoming cartoonist Kyle Starks, creator of works like Sex Castle, Assassination, and now Old Head, as well as writer of the Rick and Morty comics. Old Head is a 2020 graphic novel, one of my absolute favorites of the year, and a hilarious blend of basketball, vampire, monster hunting, and blended with parenthood, family, and, and how, kind of how we secure our legacies. Kyle, thank you so much for joining. What inspired Old Head, and kind of how did you arrive at this project? Yeah, so um, when, when I started making books, I was uh, very old. Uh, I was about to have my second kid, who's 10 now, so like nine, yeah. you know, and uh, I realized I no longer have personal time anymore. Like, I never have a minute to myself. Um, so I kind of made a list of things that I never did before I would no longer have personal time. And one of them was like finish a comic book. Yeah. So the first comic book I did was a book called Legend of Ricky Thunder, which is my, my love letter to wrestling, mm-hmm. um, pro wrestling. And then I did Sex Castle, which is responsible for my career, which is my love letter to 90s action or 80s action films. Um, and my next book was going to be Old Head. This would have been like 2016 or 2017. Cause I was like, what else do I love? It's like, I love, I love basketball and I love Fright Night. Um, but at the time, uh, Sex Castle suddenly blew up. Like I was getting, I got Eisner nominations and I got options for film. And like, I didn't think anyone would ever care. I thought it was a a nice hobby I had. My wife was like, you probably shouldn't have your only two books be called Sex Castle and Old Head. It seems like you're setting a bad, <laughs> a bad precedent for yourself. Yeah. And I was like, and also I knew like old head was good, but it was weird. And I didn't think you could just throw that out as your second book. So I sat on it for a while. Interesting. But man, I love that. I love basketball. I, basically my thing is always creatively is I want to put the thing in the world that I want to exist. Right. Yeah. I love, I, I love basketball and I want a basketball book, but I also want a basketball book that would interest someone who doesn't like basketball. Um, which is the secret about anything is like, I want to make an, a love letter to 80s action movies, but I also want people to like it who don't care about 80s action movies. Yeah. Um, and so that's old head. I mean, that's what it is, 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 is this my love letter to basketball and I really like Fright Night. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it works. So were you, were you sitting on like a, a general outline of old head for a while before you decided it was time for it? Or did you kind of just have the concept, but then you were like, you got caught up in other projects and then, you know, finally kind of found a window for it recently. Uh, I, I've had this, I've been sitting on the story for a while. I, I think there were some very, very, very minor changes. I know the ending changed. Um, my collaborator and, and virtual studio mate, Chris Schweitzer was like, don't do a bummer ending for this book. Cause I originally had a, <laughs> yeah. I had a originally a real bummer ending. Um, no, the way, so I don't write scripts for my own stuff. Um, it's not how I like to work when I'm writing and drawing things because I feel yeah. like comedy and action are both things that need to be organic and they need to feel right in the moment. Unless there are things that require, I mean, if, I, if things require planning, it's, you know, choreography, then I, I work them out. But generally what I do is when I'm trying to figure out a story that I'm going to draw is I tell myself a story in my head and I make revisions and I tell them over and over and over until I'm telling myself a story mm-hmm. that I find interesting. And so when I go into a book, I have basically a series of beats and maybe some conversation bits and maybe some, you know, dialogue bits uh and then i go at it so i've kind of had a full form for a, for a while um i think probably the legacy stuff wasn't as much in it four years ago when i wasn't visible in any way so i, I didn't think of myself as needing yeah. a legacy i guess sure um, but having put work in front of people and you know been published 
it's, it's something I think that really seeped into me. Everything has like whatever my, my neuroses at the time is, like whatever my book is. Uh, Kill Them All is very much about me losing my job because I lost my job right when I was doing that book. Yeah. Um, Deck Castle is about parenthood, what I was having my kids when I was doing Deck Castle. So there's a lot of, uh, the subtext is always whatever my neuroses at the time is. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense that you'd weave that in. I, I did wonder if there was kind of a mirror between, so Nash Glivin is this, uh, he's a former basketball player for the majority of the time we know him, but he made it to the NBA, right? Like he had a very, like, that's the highest level of basketball you can play. He made it, yeah. he played a number of years. I think by any measure, most people would say, you're a pretty good basketball player if you played, you know, a decade plus in the NBA, but in his own mind, right? There's a lot yeah. of regret. He didn't achieve as much. I wondered if that was kind of a mirror as you analyze your own, is that something you worry about? I, I mean, I think, you know, at my, at my current, look, I'm so lucky, right? Like, I don't want to, but it, it is a part of the book. Like, I'm so lucky to, I had no plan to make comics with my career. And I've been blessed to be able to do it now for three or four years. Yeah. And presumably will for a long time. I've been so lucky. I'm super lucky. But also, it's like, you know, I think if you walk in a comic store and said, you have the new Kyle Starks book, they're probably not going to. Most stores are probably not going to really know. Depends on the retailer, um, right? Sure. Depends on the retailer for sure. Because um, I have really dedicated fans and I have really dedicated retailers, but I think by and by and large, uh, so I think assassination I thought would do a lot better in terms of people visibility and reading it. And mm. but it's it, I don't the only part more less that and more that I'm I'm very interested in like um, on the brink of success. Um, yeah, yeah. I like. I, I'm more interested in guys in the NBA, even who are like Nash Livin, who played 16 years but never made an All Star team. Maybe I think he won Sixth Man Award, but like never really won yeah. anything. He was seven like, steals one time. Yeah, like everybody, like everybody knows who that guy is. Nobody, like most people, don't really love him. You know what I mean? He's just like right. he's he made a job at the highest level, but it's not one that comes with any fame or major rewards. And I think. There's so much of that in, it, in all sports and even in, you know, life, it, it, like a broader sort of look back. I think that's a really interesting thing to, to be stuck with dealing with. But also, I mean, that sort of mentality plays into the story in that he felt like he never did what he was supposed to do. And this book is about his destiny. His destiny was to do this one thing, right? Yeah. So there's all of these variables. Like, I'm not, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing a whole lot of therapy in these books. But sure. Sure. It's, it's always, it's always from life. It's always whatever my current neuroses is at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So as I've, as I've been prepping for this interview, I, you know, I've seen that on Twitter, especially like you're a big NBA fan and obviously that comes through in the work. Um, when did you decide you, you, well, I guess you told me when, um, but you, you like, what are your, what is your history kind of as a fan of the NBA? And then as you were looking to weave that into a comic book, what was your thought process and, and decision-making? Because kind of you said at the beginning, like basketball is a tougher thing to integrate into a the comic book medium necessarily. Like those those categories don't necessarily overlap. Although I think actually sports and comics have more of a fandom overlap than than a lot of times people kind of admit. Um, but you, you're figuring out like, okay, how do I make an NBA like deep in the weeds book, but also make it fun for comics readers? What was important to you in, in terms of doing that? It. In terms of that last part, I mean, absolutely. When I, I, I knew, I knew that if I said, Hey, I'm going to do a basketball book. In fact, when I was originally, when I first put it up, I was like, Hey, it's my basketball vampire book. Yeah. And, and it was real slow. I took basketball out and it suddenly started selling again. Okay. And it's like, you want, you, the thing was, is like, I, I, I'm at a state in my career where I knew my fans, like the people who have, who followed me 
from the beginning and who have grown my, my like intense fandom that they would trust me. I could do this book. Yeah. But I also knew me saying I'm doing a basketball book is a terrible idea for comics. And yeah. sales, sales showed that. Uh, uh, but, you know, my thing was from the beginning is like, I'm not going to make you read a basketball game. Like no one, yeah. I'm not going to make you read 48 minutes of hoops, though I've fallen in love with like a lot of sports mega that does do that. Like it's four issues of one game. Yeah. I think that's just amazing. Um, and I love it. And, you know, there's, it just, America doesn't, America doesn't care about that stuff, which is neither here nor there. But I was like, I'm not, my thing is I want to do a comic book book. I would do something that was, I love comic, which is, especially in this book, it's more like I, I sort of highlight certain eras and how like tonally they sort of were and yeah. how this character evolved. Um, which I think if, if it was any other, if it wasn't basketball, if he was, a, you know, a hitman, people would love it or whatever the case is. But it's like, I find that sure. interesting. Um, I didn't find out about basketball until I was a late teenager. Uh, my mom made us play uh, baseball and soccer and I hated them, though uh, my brother and I were not bad at them per se. Like we had some degree of athleticism. Um, so I found about basketball. I was working at a used bookstore that also did video rentals and comics. And I, I hope that didn't come across. That was a very loud beep that just happened on my computer. Oh, I no, don't I know how to stop it. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, so we, were, we, had, we weren't unathletic. Like we were relatively good. I just hated it. I hated being forced to do things. Um, but I was working at this bookstore and uh, I would walk by, I walked by the TV once and they said my name. They said Stark. They said my last name Stark. And I never heard my name said anything besides my family, right? Like it just, sure. I, didn't, I didn't know there was a famous person with my name. Then 16 for me was like 93. So it's not like, I mean, I had AOL probably, right? Like I'm not, it's not like it is today where you can just Google whatever and find whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, for whatever reason, I started, I, I watched and, and I don't know if, I mean, I, in my memory at that moment, I looked up and I saw the Knicks playing in 90, probably 94, or 95. Yeah. And, uh, and it just all clicked for me. Like, uh, I just did an interview about this yesterday. And I, so I, I can never be long a tooth is that I, like, I, I like, I love, uh, I love achievement and I love people striving for self-improvement and I love acts of, of athleticism. I think as a comic book fan, like Spider-Man's great because he can do all these flips. We love it, right? Yeah. Um, but sports to me always felt very like rule-based and like it's more like you were taking orders and going to where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do, I guess. But when I watched basketball and look, there's a chance. I'm Listen, I may have been high. I was at work. Like I was 16 or 17. <laughs> who knows, right? Odds are. But sure. something, something in that moment and, and having having someone having me know who to watch right like i'm interested in this guy who has my name i could just see like i, was like, I felt like if, I, I still feel like so i know there's arguments to be made uh good arguments like hockey or like running backs or there's basketball to me even soccer probably though i don't know much about soccer but basketball yeah. to me is like a sport that had the most personal creative freedom like you could be an artist not everyone shot the same way not everyone dribbled the same way not everyone moved the same way there's no part of the court that stopped like you could go any direction as long as like you made it and I became really interested in that. And I, I fell in love with basketball, man. I, back then when I was high school, I used to play eight hours a day. Like I'd go after school and I just play basketball yeah. constantly. Um, and I did that until I took up smoking weed full time. I had to retire basketball. Um, <laughs> Which they, they can I, go surprisingly well together. I think we see. I, you know what? I, got, I have some good stories. Uh, yeah. Probably not the time or the place, but yeah, I got some good stories. But uh, I loved it. And the thing that the problem was is I live in, I live in Indiana. I live mm -hmm. in Southern Indiana and at 16, 17, sure. basketball country Yeah. at 17, getting pretty good. And I, I played enough. I got pretty good. I'm not, no one, no one as a junior is going to be replaced by me as, as a five foot eight, you know, point guard who's never played yeah. organized ball per se. 
So like I, I find it. So I became, became very much you know an intellectual pursuit. Though I I would still play you know every other weekend or whatever. Yeah. Uh, until I got very fat and the cigarettes ruined me. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it was like I like I love the stats, man. I love the history. I've been playing. I've been playing in the same fancy basketball league since 1998. Uh, nice. And I am yeah. I am the regular champion of that league. If they're watching, I got your numbers. You know I do. Yeah. Um, it's like things I'm good at is, is growing a pretty good beard, making beautiful daughters, and playing fancy basketball and maybe comics. Maybe that's the order. You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, I love, yeah. I love basketball. I love basketball. And I, I kind of became, I'm a Knicks fan because of Starks, right? Sure. Um, and they have not, they have not been good or watchable since 1999. Right. They've been literally a miserable abuse spouse situation. So I kind of got away from watching so much basketball. And of course you have all these other things going on. You really, you really picked the wrong horse there with, uh, with that John Starks. Connection. Hey, listen, 90, 94 to 2000. Incorrect. Good stuff. That was, sure. the, that, sure. that was, that was, that was, one that's the golden age of basketball to me personally um yeah. it's like the end of magic and larry you know what i mean like that was just a beautiful era to me um but for that time they were so good for those like five years they yeah. were so good i kept sticking around and the thing was i said to myself when it, cause i i have an, a, a degree of of always sort of being angry and it's like what i can be angry at this team it's my, being loyal to something that sucks that has no effect on me mm. is fine so it's like yeah. that being loyal for 25 years to the same team is fine. The last couple of years, uh, we switched over to Celtics. My wife went to Butler. Um, we watched Butler, uh, because they were the only good team when we got married. Yeah. Uh, Butler has been the only good, like Brad Stevens has given me the only joy in basketball prior to the last two years. Sure. So my wife was like, well, they have this weird cable thing here. She's like, let's watch the NBA. And I'm like, let's get the NBA package. Let's watch all the games as I've done. Yeah. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've really had a, like a renaissance. Because I've, I've been watching a ridiculous amount of basketball. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it, I, and it, the thing is, like, once we started doing it, it's like I forgot, like, how much I really – and I watch a lot of basketball. But it went from me, like, watching maybe two games a week, like college games, and then maybe an NBA game or two NBA games that week, depending on who I was interested in. And if, mm-hmm. if it was on TV at a time that was – you know, sports are sports. Like, you can't just, you can't just consume them when you want to. So yeah. I started watching my wife, and my wife's, like, a very loud fan. So she's great. She's very vocal, and she's very angry. Um, and we've had, it's been a real renaissance. Like I forgot how much I love watching people play basketball. Uh, so yeah, I've had a renaissance. And at the time I was like, I'm gonna do old head because like, I'm, I'm so in love with basketball right now. I'm gonna do old head. Now's the time to do it. And you know, who Perfect. knows what happens with him? Yeah. That's a long yeah. story. I did it though. Right. Very charming, very entertaining. <laughs> no, it totally works. No, I love talking hoops. I, I play basketball myself and I'm, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. So uh, I, I had the last dance experience. That's the wrong horse for like the last five years. Yeah, no, it's gone south definitely since uh, since D Rose's ACL. It's gone heavily south, but uh, but yeah, no. So so I understand that definitely backing uh backing something and you do it and you get angry about it and you hope it comes around again eventually, you know. Um, yeah. So but if it was in New York, that's what, like New York will eventually be good again. It's impossible because they're the largest. Like well, right now it does seem impossible. Yeah. Once they're once they get new management, they'll be good again. Everyone wants to play in New York. I mean, that's just, it's New York. Like it's like LA will always be good. New York will always be good. They're the two biggest markets for a reason. Uh, but listen, Boston, I'm loving Boston. I'm loving them more this morning. Yeah. Uh, they, right. They're, they're they're really we like I said we love Butler and Brad Stevens is so good. And when Gordon came over, it's like we got to watch. Like we got Butler, the I, Butler combo and the pros. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like we're I'm hooking I'm hooking. This is my team now, and I'll wait when New, if New York's ever good, I'll be happy to go back. But it's like man. Boston is a really likable team. So it's like, there's, there's not one dude who we go, ah, well, well, Kyrie, we hated Kyrie. 
but anyway, I'm di- I'm di- I'm diverse. I'm I'm going off <laughs> before before we dive into Kyrie because that could that could last a while. Uh, so did you decide to place the majority of Oldhead's career in the '70s due to like the nature of that era? Like definitely, you have a knack in your comics of of digging into that tough guy, action guy attitude. Was that like a specific testament to you know hard fouls being more acceptable? Um, as opposed to setting him in like a contemporary NBA scene where maybe that type of player is less common and to a degree. I, I think for sure. But I also very much wanted to play uh, on like that sort of Y2K into the world type thing mm. um, that becomes sort of the, this ritual the the vampires are sort of planning to do like the world would yeah. end around that era. So it made sense based on his age and the age of his daughter, like when he would have played. So it worked out pretty well. Cause I feel like if, if he played, you know, and this year, like no one would like he, he like I was like who would he be like who would he be like like maybe Pat Beverly like yeah I think he like that guy is always in your face that that yeah you know, and, people and like, people who root for him love him but everybody else in the league hates him kind of what, thing everyone like our Draymond everyone wants him on the team but like that dude maybe a little yeah. dirty like maybe a little dirty but kind of only good at one thing like yeah. that's the thing is like is like Nash is I Nash is only really good at like a couple of things and that's how he made his career is like just being sort of tough. Uh, and being kind of a goon is how he made his career. I don't know that role really exists. And you would have made a great uh, a great bad boy piston. I think. For, oh yeah, that's, I think he would have been. True. He would have been like you know who I in that age who I think of uh, is Xavier McDaniel. He would have been exactly mm-hmm. like Xavier McDaniel. He would have been a guy who was pretty good by all accounts, pretty good, but it was really known as like you just don't mess with Xavier McDaniel. Like yeah, Xavier McDaniel will if you if you body the Sonics point guard, he's on you. He's gonna be yeah, right yeah. there. Or yeah. Anthony Mason, like that type of player, like not so much dirty, but physical and not taking it. Like that's their job right. is to set really hard picks. So I think maybe Gliven was a little bit dirty, but I think like Lambeer, like our Serge Ibaka today, he was sure. the guy who was always, always getting into fights. He's like, why is this guy always getting in a fight? Yeah. Like there's, you don't need to, but like, <laughs> he's just always in a fight. It's like, yeah. that's how it goes. Protecting so the team or like, some rationale. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I actually thought of uh, Charles Oakley now on uh, now going to be on Dancing with the Stars was uh, was my guy oh. who always seemed like the. Is top he going to be on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> yeah, I just saw that announced, which will be uh, interesting, I suppose. Um, all right, so maybe it'll get him back in the garden. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Can you imagine right. Charles Charles Oakley, who is like literally, literally, like let's say he's the he's a top twenty most important Knicks of all time, mm-hmm. maybe higher. But those 70s teams were ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. So, like, I mean, it literally, like, maybe top 15. And he can't go watch games. That's ridiculous. The that Knicks are terrible. That's why I didn't think it out there. It's like, man, I can't. It's too, like, it's, why are you doing this as a toxic fan? It's toxic ownership. I had to get out. I had to get out. It's a, it's a sad scene. It's a sad scene for sure. Uh, so, with this, with this version, you know, we have all the basketball, right? And that, that's hugely appealing. And, and again, like, you do sink into... Gliven's career and and what that means. But like you said at the top, like this, this is a book that has basketball that people who don't dig basketball can, can pick up and enjoy. And of course, a lot of that is because of this Dracula vampire mythology Mm -hmm. that is also at the heart of it. How, how did you go about creating your version of Dracula and vampires? And like, even like the way they take shape as monsters, um, which reminded me a bit of like the rat creatures in like Jeff Smith's Bone, for example. You know, it's 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 Man, you know, your style is a little more cartoonish than scary, but it's also like it's different than what most people tend to think of. Yeah, you know those rat creature mannerisms, the way that he was a huge influence on um, on sort of that, they're kind of like the there's, there's Dracula, and then there's like his his like 
his month. I don't want to give too much. I gotta be careful with spoilers because there's a, there's spoilers sure. in this book. Um, but he kind of has his Renfield monsters and the rat creatures, like the way he moves them, the, their mannerisms was very much how I wanted them sort of monster when they change. So they're like, they're lycanthropes, right? Or not yeah. lycanthropes, they're blankanthropes. I think someone's like, what are they supposed to be? And I'm like, I don't know. They're penis monsters. I don't know what they are. Like maybe they're like, uh, they're like those naked mole rat tropes. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know right. what they are. They're, they're nasty little monsters because they're nasty little dudes. Yeah. Um, but the rat creatures are definitely influenced um, for them to be, vaguely genitalia-ish mm-hmm. it was intentional um the the dracula the, so sort of the mythologies i do is uh, there's a lot of um to me though i don't know how much made it into the book I, a little bit did but not much is really thinking about like um the blood ritual like blood sacrifices being not so much like sacrifices to unseen gods but being like paying your rent to your local vampire mm. um and i really wanted to build around that and then sort of how those sort of South American uh, groups would do these sacrifices on regular intervals. And like, why would they be on regular intervals? Because Dracula could go 30 days. He could go 30 days without any blood and then you'd have to pay up. Yeah. Um, I thought all that was really interesting. Um, like I said, Fright Night. So there's that. It was sort of like that. I, I wanted to play into this, but also how I very, like Dracula's and vampires are very much sex metaphors and rape metaphors. Um, yeah. So that was a big part of it. And like I said, I want, I, I, you know, originally I was going to do this thing where I was going to have like Wilt Chamberlain just solving mysteries. Like he was Perot, you know, mm. um, like really. And it's like, I, that was what I originally thought about. I was like, I'm gonna do a basketball book. But then I saw, I, I saw Fright Night, the original Fright Night, the, the, the new one's good. I haven't seen it for a while, so I can't speak for how good. But I saw the original Fright Night again. And I was like, man, like Dracula's sex metaphors. Like, I love it so much. I want to do this. And they have the, he has the, he has the weird Renfield that's like impervious. Um, so there's lots of ideas. Like, I'm just going to smush them together and I'm going to do basically a monster book, um, a monster hunter book because I, I love monster hunters. Like that's what it's like a monster hunter book. And like, oh, the main guy, well, he, he maybe was an ex-athlete. That's what he should have been. He's been very cool about it. Um, yeah. Because that's what it is. It's a monster hunt. In the end, it's a monster hunting book. Right. Uh, that has, the, the guy's just tough, not because he's a boxer or he was in the military or he's a hitman or he, he fought people on the court professionally. So that was a lot of it. I just think it's, Dracula was very sexy. He's a very sexy man. I think he only thinks about two things. He thinks about blood and he thinks about sex. That's it. Yeah. That's his entire yeah. life. No, and that comes through. And, I, and I, I won't spoil it, but I do like the way you handle Dracula here. Um, and it, obviously, you give uh, a bit more attention to his his goons, you know, his his, his squad there. Um, how how proud were you and how many drafts did it take to come up with the name uh, Lil Menopause? And is that your favorite your favorite henchman name you've, you've crafted? Oh, these guys? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know what? It, it was... They didn't have names, and then I was like, they should have names, and they're mostly like uh, like bad '80s names. Like I think there's one I I should know. Like there's Ma- like they're named after Top Gun. Yeah. Originally, I think they were all named after like um, they had really bad like '80s nicknames. Um, but no, Little Mimpaz was was very much a result of uh, his 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 brag that he why he has his name. I was like I, I was like these guys because they're the the gist is. I don't like it's not spoilers, not spoilers, but like basically it's this it's this group of monsters who have formed like um a pickup artist like scheme yeah. built around the teachings of Dracula. Um because every because uh, he's so sexy, all this stuff is like how to how to pick up ladies. It's terrible, it's awful. Like being a pickup artist is bad. Being a pickup artist whose whose platform is Dracula is terrible. And then they're actual <laughs> right. they're actual masters, right? They're actual monsters. So yeah, he, I mean, his, his brag is like, they call me little menopause because 
once I'm with a woman, she's never the same again. And I think that's very funny. It's awful. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Awful, but I think it's very funny. Uh, I'm very, I also think, you know, little menopause is, I think, very funny through the whole book. And that's, you know, that's a tough one to balance because it's like little menopause is, is pretty funny and pretty charming. But also, like, you guys have to hate him. Like, you're not allowed to like him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, we know I'm we not, shouldn't. We know we shouldn't. But at the same time, like, he's charming and, and kind of clueless enough. You know, he's naive. Yeah. In a way, it's easy to follow him. I feel like I, I feel like I did not maybe give a little menopause like that. The point of the story where you go, oh right, he's really bad. Yeah, like, he doesn't. He doesn't even turn into a monster because he doesn't want to ruin his shirt. Like he doesn't want to ruin his new shirt, so he doesn't even change into a monster. So you don't even have him being a monster, doing monster things. He, he's little menopause. Is good. We, we know he's good. Oh, we he's know. bad. He's the he's the worst. Yeah. maybe not. He's not the worst, but he's bad. I feel like a little menopause in a different life. If he if he, it just that just goes to show you, you get with a bad group of guys. You know, if you get bad with a group of guys. You know who we associate with is very important. Little menopause. Yeah, maybe a steady hand on little menopause a, a little bit earlier in life, kind of guide him towards a uh, towards some different a different crew. Maybe things shake out differently. But as it's with some monsters. <laughs> so I'm curious too. So old head, you uh, kickstarted, which you've done with uh, a fair amount of your your creator own work. Yeah. Um, but you also have, you know, you have books coming out through image. You had assassination, uh, rock candy mountain, both did pretty well. Definitely critically acclaimed. I really loved assassination. Uh, it was okay. one of my favorites last year. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you, uh, lean towards kickstarting this rather than going through one of the bigger publishers? Um, is there a, what's, what's your decision-making process there? Well, no, number one in this instance is it's a, it's, it's a very hard sell and it's a very weird book. And I don't yeah. think when you read it, I don't think sitting down and reading it, it's weird. Like you don't go, what, what, what? It's nah. just like, it's a hard, it's, it's an, un, and I, it's an unusual pitch and the book has like a weird, not a weird, it has an unusual pacing. It's, it's a slow burn and then everything goes off, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, those things made me nervous um, to go to a publisher. That's number one. Number two, if you, if you self-publish, there's no editors telling you you're wrong, which I like more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, for Old Head, I'm already talking to a publisher. I was talking to a publisher back then, but the timeline I didn't love because I wanted to do it. I don't want to wait. I can't wait for things to be done. When I want to do things, I want to do them. And if I do them right then, they'll be great. If I wait three months, they will not be. So mm. I want to do Old Head. I do it right now. They were talking about a year and a half out, basically, which will probably still be the case now. It'll be like 2022 or something. Yeah. 20, who knows? And I didn't want to wait. And I, I've done three Kickstarters. Um, I love Kickstarter. I adore Kickstarter because I get, a, I get an interaction with everybody even if they just buy like a digital pdf i know who bought that digital pdf right. and i like that i i i like again it's my vision it's there's no one trying to to tweak things like we just did a book with sky or with skybound another book with skybound and we had it set in the 80s and we're like can you set it modern time it's like sure but who gives it like who cares like in the <laughs> 80s it worked better like in night like fine it doesn't matter it'll be good but it's like little stuff like that it's like there's little tweaks like i don't like that i like to make my thing and I like to make my thing and make it as good as possible. And then I like for it to exist in a catalog. And that's really the only reason why I even go to a publisher that I want, again, legacy, right? Yeah. I want that book to exist 20 years from now, 40 years from now, that someone could conceivably get it when I was dead because like Le Legend of Ricky Thunder, which was my first Kickstarter, you can only get from me. Like that's the only way you can get it. That's the so when I keel over, Legend of Ricky Thunder is gone, right? Yeah. Um, and it is what it is. So anyway, I did Old Head because I wanted to do it at then. I love Kickstarter. Um, I wasn't going to do Kickstarter after Kill Them All because I was able to get, I, I can get 
depending. I mean, like, but I can get publishers to do my books and it seems unfair to, to sort of have whatever visibility I have, which is minor again, but you know, big enough, I guess, um, to block out people who really need to be seen doing Kickstarter. Cause mm. that's how I started my career with Kickstarter. Um, so, so you don't think Keanu should be doing a Kickstarter? No, I think he should be doing it. Um, but I think there's a different, that's a different situation. And okay. by the way, I, I'm absolutely going to do the same thing. I do it because I have a three book thing that I'm working on with the karate prom book. I did karate prom for free comic book day. Yeah. I'm doing two more of them. Oh, nice. Uh, I've already done the second one. It's done. I'm going to do the third one. I'm doing, I did open my new store at kylestarts.com. Check out the sticker yeah. club. It's very good. Um, I'm doing all these commissions and this is my plan. I'm going to do all these commissions and then I'm going to start on three and I'm going to have them done. They're done. And I want to do, and I'm, they're going to go to a publisher. It's, I've already spoken to the publisher, but I love Kickstarter and I, I don't think my visibility affects anyone because of where I'm at. Like, cause Michael even Oming's doing one and no one cares. Like Scott Snyder's doing one, no one cares. Like it's weird. It's weird to pick and choose which one we're going to care about. Right. Like we're going to be mad right. about Keanu. Like the thing is like average Joe, I'm, let, I'll come back to this. I love Kickstarter. I really like this idea of pre-ordering things if it's logistically feasible because the secret to Kickstarter is keeping it as simple as possible. But I don't like single issue Kickstarters because they're, they cost too much and you don't get enough. Mm. But this, this thing of like, I'm, if I can do three, three 40 page books basically, and you get them as they come out and they have their own Kickstarter edition cover. I think that's really interesting. I really like that. But what I like about Kickstarter as a, as both a consumer and as a creator is that it's not just, you're not just getting a book, man. I can give you stickers. I can give you postcards. You yeah. do all this cool stuff. Like a comic's great, but a comic with stickers, even if like you're never going to use whatever sticker that is, it's so cool that, that like it's better than a book. And you I've know, you don't my, have to uh, get it. I've got my slam dunk punks tattoo right next to my desk. I, have, I haven't yeah, put it on yet, but I'm excited to have it. it it's it's going to be on for like a week. So be careful with that. They last a really <laughs> long time. Like those new, they make those new tattoos, like the very, like I think there's also something you do that really interesting um, that I like a lot. Um, if I was, if I did like a cute animal thing, I'd be like, we're doing plushes, right? Like, that's great. Um, so I, I love Kickstarter for that. I want to do, I'm very interested in doing what they're doing, which is a, a pre-order, but it's a it's Kickstarter. It's like, yes, there'll be a print version, but you're getting the, the, you know, unique thing. I think it's really interesting. Here's why it's okay for Keanu real, real quick. Keanu yeah. has godzillion fans that don't read comic books. All right. right. And when it comes out, Hey, one, you're doing it with a comic creator who does tons of Kickstarters and Matt Kent. So like awesome, Matt, right? Kent, Matt Kent, like me, who's done a bunch of Kickstarters, is going to be like, you know what? Let's integrate Kickstarter. Um, Lucky Penny did it with Oni. Like there's a bunch of books that have done it and like they did better because of the promotion of Kickstarter. But mm. for this particular item, Keanu has a million fans and the way comics work is you can't just get it. It's not like it exists. Like they're saying, we're going to make this book, which is probably already done, right? Or half done. Those millions of fans are not ever, 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 ever going to walk into a comic book store once and yeah. pre-order that book and then come back in four months and get it again. <laughs> right. They will, however, go, I want that and click a button. And then when it shows up in however many months, they're going to be stoked. Yeah. It's super smart. I, I think there's a time, like, I don't think Marvel, like the thing is like, well, why, why not have Marvel or DC do their books weekly through Kickstarter? Because it's too fucking much, man. They got 15 billion books. Yeah, and they're gonna charge ten dollars. Like it won't work. Like it, yeah. it won't work. But if if Marvel was doing like when they had CM Punk or, or whoever they get, someone's doing some celebrity is doing something with them right now, right? Sure. Yeah. Why Why not? Why not be like, hey, pre-order the trade paperback? Because you know those people, the people who are interested in that, don't give a fuck about floppies. They're not putting them in mylar bags. Like it's a different audience. 
And I think it's smart of Boom, though maybe they should have let maybe they should let Matt do it instead of being their Boom. Maybe um, mm. the thing that's so smart about it is for them to go, where can we find more fans? Yeah. Um, I, and I know I know Keanu spoke to several different writers, which means probably several different publishers, because he wants to make this. He clearly wanted to make this thing. Yeah. And like yeah. for me, it's like, well, for the, for a publisher, you're like, that's great. If you can get Matt Kent to co-write it, you know it's going to be great. Like you like that's smart. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really smart thing. I don't know for me to be like, well, who else is okay to do it? It's like, well, anyone can do it. It's Kickstarter. But I remember years ago, there was yeah. a very well-known writer and a very well-known artist who were like, we're going to do a Kickstarter for our new book for you to pay for our new book, which uh -huh. I don't like. I don't like it when, when they're paying for something. I don't like it when you're paying for something to be made. And that's not what this is either. The Keanu Reeves thing. Mm. I don't like it when you're paying for someone to make something. I like it when you're paying to get something right. So yes. these guys who were very well known, very well known, did a Kickstarter where you didn't even get a book. They they were just like we're gonna use Kickstarter to finance this you know project we wanted. And I think in the end people were like, "Where's the book?" And they're like, "Oh, uh, uh, you have a phone call. You can have a phone call with the writer." It's like all these weird. That's and then a problem. In the end, yeah. In the yeah. end, yeah. So it's like it's how that's you a GoFundMe, right? That's different. It's a GoFundMe, yeah. yeah. I just like there's a way, there's a way to do it, man. There's a way to do it, and I think for this instance, anyone who's mad about it, like were you mad at Scott Snyder? Were you mad at Michael Avon Oming, who's pre-ordering, who's literally pre-ordering a variation of his image book? And it's like, well, no, they don't care because it's not a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, who, I've, who I've seen some creators too, definitely on a, a not quite that scale. I think it's Ryan Brown, the curse words book. You know, they're putting. Lo out I love Ryan. Brown. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I think that's cool. Like, that's another Ryan way Brown to get is, it. That's right. He's he's really good. He's really good at Kickstarter, but that curse words is like they wanted to do with Image, and Image was like the pandemic and this and that, everything's yeah, messed yeah. up. And he's like, right. like, can we do it? We just want to do it. And they're like, you know what? We don't even want to do those big omnibuses anymore, to be frank, yeah. because they're a huge production and they're so, I mean, they're huge. Like, how do you take them to shows? Think about the shipping on them. Oh, so yeah. Like, but like, how smart are those guys? They're like, we want to do it. They did great, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, no one is mad at them. It's so, it's so weird for what people choose to be mad about. It's like, what are you mad at that? Like Matt's probably not even going to see any of that money. That's what you should be mad. Matt's yeah, probably sure. the, minimum, the smallest amount. That's what you should be mad about. But I think mean, that's like good for them because we're all like the, the thing is is like if you want to be mad at Boom, you shouldn't be because at least Boom, unlike the Big Two, are searching for new fans. They're looking for readers, and maybe yes, in this case, they're only finding Keanu Reeves fans. But that's what the industry needs, and from the pandemic, that's what we all should have taken away is that we need to find a different way. We need to find more readers. Like where are the, there's readers out there. There's not going to be new TV shows, right? Everyone gets this, right? Like yeah, they yeah. couldn't film TV shows for four months. There's no new season. Like, what are you going to do? There should be comics. We should be like, hey, here's all these great ways you can get comics. Uh, well, that's that's exactly it, right? There should be comics. And the, the only way to get them shouldn't be through going to specialty stores. Like that is, that is a yeah. limitation of a broader audience that might not want to do that or have the means to do that. Right. It's obviously yeah. a big conversation, but I, yeah, I totally agree. For sure. Yeah. So don't be yeah. mad at Berserker, man. Good for Berserker. I, I wish like Jim, Ruck, like people are doing great. Jim Ruck's putting comics out. His isn't, it's a different situation. It's like, man, the guys who are doing it, like I've got my October behind me. That's a, yeah, it's a great looking book. Kickstarter's yeah. great. Man. What, you got like, you got that, like the creative PDF of all of his, like each page being put to, like, that's what it's I cool. love. Kickstarter. It's cool. Yeah. Is that well, I, you, you I don't have a sense get... of uh, of ownership and a sense of like there's also that sense of this is the this is the way for me to get this and get access to this creator that I could not get you know yeah, like, I mean, like like copy of old head I have like it's got your signature it's got little special things like I wouldn't have gotten that if I go 
to my that's LCS what I'm and pick up a copy. It's like, you know, it's like buying stock. You know, that's what I feel like Kickstarter is like buying stock. Is like it, it'll be out there. Like people can just go and get it. They'll find it on Comics or wherever. Yeah, it's like this is like this is the stock. Like this is the stock certificate. Look at all the cool stuff. I don't like. I look. My books are good. They're good on their own. But like, wouldn't my book be better if you also got you know like a bookmark? Yeah, of course it would be. It would be a bookmark. Yeah. Get a yeah. bookmark. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love Kickstarter. I'm going to do Kickstarter again. I, I felt like it's something that I should have stepped away from once I got any degree of notoriety. But it's like, I love it too. I really love it. Uh, I got well, this, I got this I think too, like you should, too. you should enjoy the the benefits of having gotten a fan base now. Like as a creator, I do think it's a good thing that you can benefit from yeah. from the catalog sure. that you've built, right? Because yeah. I, I think we there's a comic book fan mentality of like, okay, we need to support our LCS. Totally agree, right? I, I love doing that. But it's also important to support creators. And, and Kickstarter is a fantastic way to do mm-hmm. that, you know? So sure. whether it's Matt King co-writing Berserker or, or whoever, like there are a lot, there's, you know, and, and again, to your point too, then you're also reading, reaching a broader audience. There's a lot of benefits uh, in yeah. my view. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool, cool. Um, so I'm curious too, before I let you go, so like totally off off creator own, totally off Kickstarter, you've also been writing uh, Rick and Morty. How how different is that experience for you? And is it something that you enjoy? Like, would you want to do more licensed comics, more stuff that isn't your own? Uh, I mean, I've done, I've, I did Mars Attacks last year uh, yeah. with Chris with Schweitzer. Um, you know, the, the thing about Rick, and I love, I mean, I, I'm a big Dan Harmon fan. Um, yeah. It's funny, the, the, the sort of short story they asked me to do Invader Zim, and I never heard of Invader Zim, and they're like, that's what we want. And I, so I watched all the Invader Zims, and I did a, a fair issue. Yeah, that's yeah. not what they wanted. That's not what they wanted. And I was like, <laughs> well, and this was right when my job situation, or maybe it was before, but it's like, man, I was like, I wish they would have asked me to do, I, to my wife, I said, I wish they would have asked me, asked me to do Rick and Morty instead mm. of Invader Zim, because I like Rick and Morty. I like Dan Harmon so much. Mm-hmm. And they did. They asked me to do five issues. I ended up doing... 38. Um, I've, I don't know. I've done more issues of Rick and Morty than there are episodes of the show. I love Rick and Morty. Yeah. The, the editorial on Rick and Morty at Oni was great. When we started, that's my dog. When we started, uh, when we started, their sort of checks and balance side wasn't bad, but it got worse and worse and worse because when we started, uh-huh. no, one, no one knew about Rick and Morty. The first yeah, year yeah. that I did Rick and Morty, I couldn't sell it. Really? And then they put it on who? Yeah. I did a show in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Okay. And I couldn't sell, I couldn't sell a single Rick and Morty. I'm like, this is wild. wild to me. Yeah. Um, we went to San Diego Comic Con for the Eisner's that year. I saw two people in cosplay. Um, but I did this, I did this show in Murfreesboro, and I'm like, it's my third issue or my second issue. And I, I said to my wife again, I was like, man, this for my like, I like doing this, but for my career, this might have been a mistake. I'm doing this bomb, like no one cares about prod, you know, uh, IP. But then they yeah. put it on Hulu. And the next show I did was a show in Lexington and I, I sold out of everything I brought before the show opened. Dang. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what happened? I was, so I was doing like sketch cards all week. It was insane. The next show I did was C2E2. So I brought everything I had. Like I'm not, like I'm driving. I filled my car up with all the comps I had, everything yeah. I had. I sold out on the first day. Like Dang. it, it, then it was a thing. Like Rick and Morty was everywhere. It was a thing. And I, I, you know, huge, I, yeah. I went on this whole ride. I, I love Rick and Morty. I'm not the series. Main, the main series ended um, over the pandemic, uh, and so that was the end for me. I, I would almost surely do it again. I'm glad, even though it was a pandemic. I'm glad for four months I wasn't the Rick and Morty guy. I'm glad I got to be the basket, the bad, the, the mistaken basketball guy instead. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. Um, 
So I love Rick and Morty, man. I, I, it's great. The, in terms of licensed books, like Mars Attacks, they asked me, and I was like, if I have a good idea, I'll do it. And I woke up and I was like, man, I, I think I have a really good idea. So I said to my friend Chris, I was like, is this a, is this a good idea for a Mars Attacks book? Because I think it's really good. And he's like, yeah, tell him I'll draw it. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You don't just tell people you draw things. Anyway, <laughs> he did though. Um, he's, Chris is doing my Skybound book too. So if you like Mars Attacks, you'll like the Skybound book we have coming out, I think. So yeah, but, but in terms Can of- Can you like, announce what that, what that is or is that not announced yet? We have, we have one issue, two issues done. So they okay. have, usually, I don't know, Skybound, who knows? They might be waiting for the whole thing to be done. The pandemic has affected things in weird ways. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. going to make the announcement before they do. Uh, but I will say I'm doing a Skybound book with you know, my best friend, Chris Weiter, who I think is America's awesome. best secret cartoonist. Um, uh, but yeah, it, so anyway, it depends. Like, there's nothing I'm seeking out. And, and to me, like Big Two stuff is licensed work too. It's the same degree. Right. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm closer to wanting to do that because of visibility um, mm. and the challenge um and nostalgia in many ways but i don't think there's any properties that i would seek out right now that i have to think about there's probably something there's probably some, oh letter i do a letter kenny comic call me call me i'll do a letter kenny comic why okay. not okay there we go there's uh, the pitch yeah there it is very nice yeah right, I, cool. I, license, books are, license books are kind of there's too many rules or there's no rules like if, if there's no rules it's great yeah like we couldn't say we did mars attacks and we couldn't have him say ak 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 because Tim, Tim Burton owns Ak Ak Ak. Mars oh, Attacks has known Ak Ak Ak. That's Tim yeah, yeah. Burton. So we couldn't do Ak Ak Ak, you know? Strange like, legal copyright a, stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's always like a weird, like, um, but I, I, man, Rick and Morty is very good to me. I love Rick and Morty. I like those people. I like those creators. I liked Oni a lot. Um, I did Dead of Winter, which was a licensed book with them, which is based on a board game. So it depends on, it really depends on what it is and what they'll let me do. Because yeah. I'm, I'm lucky enough as a creator I don't have to do anything I don't want to do today. You know, I don't know in a year if that'll still be true. I might have to do, I might have to do stuff, but it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to shoehorn what I bring to this media. I want it to be what I want it to be. Cause I think that it's joyful and it's fun and that's what people want and need in comics. And I'm trying to supply that. So, so far I don't have anything I don't want to do except for maybe that invader Zim issue. My only mistake, um, but it's a good issue. So I'm not even mad about it. I think I did pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. No, that's awesome. Uh, all right. So I think that's a great place to start wrapping it up. Uh, before I let you go, who is going to win the NBA finals? Who do you got? Are you all in on the Celtics after the big game seven W uh, a surprise Celtics win? I don't think that was a surprise. Come on. I now listen, if I, was, I if I'm I was a little surprised back, they made it to the Eastern conference finals. I'll, I'll say if I, if I was going to this year, here's the thing. If I was going to bet on that game seven, I would have bet on Toronto because yeah, I've watched right. I, I've watched seventy seven Celtics games. You, you know too much, probably is my guess. I know right? too much. Like, you know the, the, thing, you like, know the flaws. If, here's the thing that happened last night. One, Kyle Lowry. The thing is, Kyle Lowry in basketball. There's people who want to win, okay, and then there's people who are playing basketball, and the guys who want to win are always trouble. Kobe, yeah. Dwyane Wade, uh, LeBron, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Golden State, entire Golden State team, the guys who play to win. Kyle Lowry was the guy who, who's playing to win in this series. Right. And I think the only guy on our team, Jalen very much so, but Jalen's our best player on the Celtics. But Marcus Smart played to win last night, and he's my hands-down favorite player in the NBA. He's and got so that what toughness, did, right? What, what he did last night was, well, the thing is, he, he always plays hard. He's always in the right place. He's just not an electric scorer, right? So no one cares. But yeah. 
if I would have known, like Marcus was going to, like if someone's like Marcus was going to do it on game seven. And now here's the thing, next series, I'm going to go, Marcus is going to do it in game seven. I didn't think they could do it. I don't think anyone in the East can beat either LA team. Yeah, I just right. think it's a lot, but they're, we're getting, they're getting Gordon Hayward back. They're rich. I, 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 think always they get past the I think they, I think, yes, I think yeah. they do. But I say that and like, I could see it being six game loss or seven game loss too. And I wouldn't be too surprised because the thing is like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler is very much that guy. I said, oh, once they did that trade for Justice Winslow, I was like, this guy should be an MVP candidate. And that's right. not, like, he carried a team of literally nobodies. Nobodies yeah. and Bam Adebayo. Nobodies and Bam Adebayo, who wasn't good two years ago. You didn't, I didn't know his name them. until this year. Yeah, I mean, I'll totally admit. Yeah, it. and he's, he's great. I mean, but he's, he's a little, he's kind of, he's, he plays young, like Tatum does. Um, yeah. I don't think either one of those teams can beat the Clippers, for sure. I think the Clippers are getting in the mindset and they're mean. They're just mean. Like they're yelling at you from the sidelines and they're cheap yeah, shotting. Yeah. I don't think the Celtics could handle that at all. I think they would crumble. I think Jimmy would get ejected. <laughs> I think Jimmy would get in trouble yes. because I don't think he's going to take that. So I don't yeah. think any Eastern conference team can beat a Western conference team. That, it's going to be an LA team. I, who knows? I think maybe they could beat the Lakers, either team. I'm rooting for the Eastern conference. I just don't think they'll do it. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a fun upset if they can make a series of it. I think because I the LA teams have been talked about all year as like the you know the, oh one of them's going to win, so it'd be more fun I to go the other way. I don't think it would be. I think Miami would be more of an upset because they got hot in the bubble. The thing with LA is like preseason, people are like they're going to be so good, and they played really well in the regular season. But you're like they can't shoot three. They they just can't shoot. Is that going to be more beatable? I think. Yeah, the Lakers yeah. seem more beatable because I my thing is like they've been really bad in the bubble. They've been Milwaukee was terrible in the bubble, and be, yeah. they, like they didn't, they never played like a first seed. They played like a number four seed, right. maybe. And I feel like against Miami, they clearly played like a number five seed, right? Like they yeah. they got worse and worse, and like I don't know why that is. Like who knows why that is? Like this bubble is weird, and everyone's it's very stuck weird and, Yeah, yeah. But the Clippers or the Lakers also have not been very good in the bubble, and I feel like that's going to hurt them against the Clippers, but. It's, the thing about the Lakers is that they're extremely tall. They're extremely tall and they're very good at basketball. And we're in an era where people are like, it's shooting, like you don't need height. You don't need height in the NBA. And it's like, yeah. you know, I've found whenever people say things that they are firm about that are sub sort of subjective in sports, it's always that thing you said that's not going to happen is going to happen, right? Yeah. So if the Lakers won it all, like I'd be zero surprised. I just feel like the Clippers, the Clippers look like, Tough to beat to me, man. But Denver, like Denver, shouldn't have two games on us. So I don't know. Like the bubble's weird, man. I as soon as the bubble started, I'm going on and on. I'm so sorry, man. But I was like, no, something, I like weird, talking hoops. something weird is going to happen in this bubble. Something completely unexpected. And I thought it was going to be Phoenix making the playoffs, mm. Portland making it deep in the playoffs. Yeah. But no, it's my it's the Miami Heat. The, why would the Heat not go to the finals? The bubble's been crazy. Right. I think Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler's. Um, as a Bulls fan, I'm sure. Like, I don't. You guys, you oh, like? I, lo I love Jimmy. Yeah, no, I, I still love him. We, it's like it was like it made sense when him. we had to trade him, but I still, it's like I'm rooting for him. You know, I, yeah. I don't blame him. Jim, Jimmy Butler, plus like of all these dudes, maybe Kimba if he turned it right. But Jimmy Butler's story of like they're like, hey, you're our, you're kind of a starter. You're like our defensive shore in Chicago. Yeah. You're okay. We'll give you five million dollar extension. And Jimmy was like, you know what? No. How about this? I'm gonna play. I'm going to bet on Jimmy. Jimmy's going to bet on Jimmy. 
Yeah. I'm going to score 21 points a game this year, and you're going to give me a max contract. Yeah. And I bet ownership was like, okay, Jimmy, you do that. And he did it. <laughs> right. He did it. Yeah. And like, he, he became one of the five best two-way players in the league. He went to Minnesota. He's yelling at everyone. He's playing with the hot dog guy against the starting team because they're such dummies. They can't handle them. Yeah. And then he goes to Philly. And Philly, like, Philly's such a mess of a team. You know, they had Jimmy sitting. Like, if Simmons or Embiid had a postgame conference in the playoffs, Jimmy had to sit with them. Oh, I didn't know that. Jimmy, yeah. so they wouldn't say something dumb. Jimmy's daddy. Jimmy was daddy in Philadelphia. And right. you're like, why would he leave Philadelphia? It's like, because Philadelphia has terrible management and bad coaching. And he knows that. And he's yeah. like, I got to get out of here. And yeah. Pat Riley's like, hey, we're great management. And we have a great coach. And we'll let you do whatever you want. Because all we got is a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, let's see if that works. And it has. Like, good for, that's a great story. That's such a right. good story of a dude who bet on himself and worked hard. Now he's in Michelob Light commercials. Showing his cowboy boots off everywhere. I love Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah. um, I love. I just love that kind of dude who, like, you can see the work they put in. You can see their leadership, and you know that team is going to lose or win based almost entirely on him. And oh, yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. The Lakers have that. The Clippers have two guys that do that. Um, the problem with Boston, if they make, like, if they make the finals, he's going to have to. He's going to have to go off. Like he's going to have to average thirty. He's going to be. Know? He's going to be ruined, man. Because think about Luca against PG, and that's the problem with that team. Is that Miami faces. The Clippers, they're going to have the same problem Dallas had, is that they can, the two best guys are going to guard your best guy. Right. And who's going to step up? They keep, nobody, nobody will. Um, if they play the Lakers, I think they can beat the Lakers. Like, I think Boston has a better chance against the Clippers. I think Boston, because of how Houston's getting their butt whipped, I think they have a worse chance against the Lakers. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the Celtics, who I love, like, they don't have, we, we really thought Kimbo, like, when the game was on the line, Kimbo was going to be the guy. Um, and it hasn't been, and I don't know, I think because he sucked in Charlotte for so many, Charlotte stole all the Yukon energy out of Kimba, who beat my Butler Bulldogs, by the way, in uh, the Italy right. title. Right, um, Well, he hasn't had Charlotte, those big moment experiences, really. He hasn't like, had to do it, and you know, yeah. you see, if, I don't know if you are, but it, when the games have been tied, it, well, Tatum, Tatum's doing it, and Tatum's just 20, he's 22, man. He plays yeah. like he's 22. He's 20, um, yeah, he's so and, young, right. He's a baby, and Kimba, if, if it's like, if it's the last shot, you'll see Kimba take it. But it's like he's just, they're just, he's not hitting any shots. It's like, why is that? I, I don't know. I don't know. So we don't have that guy. Like, Jalen is our best player, but Jalen, who probably should have been all-star, like, he's not an elite player. He might right. be in three years. In three years, he might be the best player on that team. Um, but we don't have a killer besides Marcus. We don't have a guy who's like, give me the ball, and right. I'm going to do it. We, we have Tatum. Probably he can't needs to do be Tatum, it. yeah. But he can't do it. He doesn't have, like, the, he doesn't have, like, he wants to do, like, post-up, spin around, step back, jumpers on is like what do you like no like it's like, like so, the worst shot in the game now statistically yeah it's like he's taking, <laughs> taking long two he's taking step back long twos and you're like yeah like dude especially like what's crazy is that like in the, the game six is that jalen's playing terrible terrible jalen's playing so bad and at the in the, the fourth quarter he's getting in the lane like you can see he's like oh if i do like this euro i'm getting to the hoop every time right yeah and then um like marcus says it once because if you marcus is very much like a sponge like he takes everyone's stuff. It's very interesting. He's a, mm. he's my second favorite player of all time. I, he's fascinating. He's fascinating to watch game after game, year after year, because he at he's like a sponge. He's like he's like a Mega Man. He's like stealing people's stuff, right? New powers um, every every game, yeah. Yeah. So Jalen, who has clearly been like he's he's like, look, we can do this. Like this is if you do this, they're not blocking the lane as well as it looks like they are. But Tatum, like Tatum, doesn't do it. He wants to like you're like, dude, like you're the guy who should be doing this. 
Yeah. Um, I said, I, I'm so critical of Jason, who had 30, 30 points and 10 rebounds and eight assists last night, but right. kind of almost cost us the game, right? Uh, I'm so critical of him, but I'm sure he'll be like, in two years, I bet he'll be, you know, the best player in the league or something unexpected to me, someone who's watched him every game. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, my long yeah. answer to who's going to win the finals, because <laughs> I have no short answers in basketball talk, our and Kickstarter, our comics industry, apparently. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's I mean, that's the thing, though, is like, this is the time and right with the bubble and just with the weirdness of the world right now, basketball is like this really nice, normal kind of release as a fan. Certainly, I'm sure for the players, it's it's wild and a strange time. But oh, like, I, bet, just I bet it's terrible. Yeah, I bet awful. Is, oh, yeah, it sounds rough. But uh, just having games to watch, it's like, OK, yeah, this is I, this is relaxing. This is good. You know what I you know what I was doing when there was no basketball, when there was supposed to be basketball? I was watching YouTube basketball players. <laughs> yeah, I, was, right? I was watching i was watching guys on youtube play five on five on just like blacktop courts in the middle of nowhere just like pickup was, games <laughs> yeah like this guy's like hey we're going to we're going to down to you know i go heart yeah. uh mic'd up we're gonna play see if we pick up a game and like, that's what i watch man i watch it and now it's like <laughs> it's funny now basketball's back and it's like my youtube youtube's like hey do you want to watch so-and-so and i'm like I'm all right. No, I watch no, I good, games. good games tonight. I don't need to watch that now. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Kyle, this was super fun. I appreciate you coming on to talk uh, hoops and also. Yeah, man. Thanks for having comments. me. Yeah, it was a blast. Um, I'll I'll let you know when everything is ready to go. But, you know, otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. And thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks, bud. Real good. Yeah. All right. I will again. I'm-